Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Okay, Miss Emily, we're now recording. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I saw that you have a podcast. It's like RD versus BS. Yep, that's the one. Okay, we got to talk about how'd you come up with the title and why did you start doing it? Yeah, so my friend who I went to grad school with. Her name's Marie. And we were sports dietitians together for a few years. And we were just getting fed up with people asking us quite the same questions over and over and over again of what do you think about intermittent fasting? What do you think about paleo? What do you think about keto? And instead of giving them this long drawn out answer over and over again, we decided let's make a podcast where each episode we talk about one big nutrition topic. And it's been super fun. We came up with the idea because there the we came up with the title because there just is so much BS out there around nutrition and people who claim to be nutritionists who are giving out all of this advice and it's just not correct and it's not based in science. So our whole premise is that we take a supplement or a diet or a nutrition book and we talk about it. We look at what the science says about it. And then we decide whether it gets the BS stamp or not. So that's been a lot of fun. I think we're on episode 65 right now. So there's a lot of things that we have covered, but in the world of nutrition, there's always more to cover. So we're never going to run out of topics. You will never run out of topics. And I know this because uh, I sent you my uh, decoding diet culture series I did with Dr. Aaron Nitschke, and we're releasing season two in January. And there's just always something to discuss in that. So what has been given the recent stamp of BS so far for you uh, recently? Well, one that I was very excited about because it's, you know, been in the news just this week was we did an episode on organ meats where we looked specifically at liver king. Have you heard of the liver king? What is this? Oh my gosh. Okay. Liver king is all over social media. He has millions of followers and he's basically this guy who will eat organ meat raw and say that, you know, he kind of calls people out and says, if you are eating anything with grains in it. If you're eating, you know, anything that is kind of modern food that you're being subprimal and you want to be primal like him and only eat meat and only eat organs and things like this. <laughs> and he, he for years has sworn to everyone. I don't take steroids. I'm completely natural. I look like this because he's really jacked. But he says, I look like this because I eat liver every day and I eat hearts and I, you know, all of this stuff and I, I'm primal. And then it just came out two days ago, as of this podcast recording, 
that he actually takes $12,000 worth of steroids every month. <laughs> of course so, he does. Of course he does. And we all knew it, but it hadn't been proven yet. So that was just a nice little, ah, okay. So I don't know. That felt like a little bit of a win for us. So that was good. But actually organ meat, is it, it's pretty good for you. It's just, you don't need to eat it in order to be healthy. So that didn't necessarily get the BS stamp, but liver King definitely got the BS stamp. I mean, this is wild. <laughs> this is pretty wild stuff. What is this fascination with the kind of snake oil salesperson that feels like it's just so pervasive in our culture right now? I think that people just want a very direct and easy answer to their problems when it comes to health and nutrition. And the issue is when you look at what is actually scientifically proven and what actually works, it's not a sexy answer, right? It's eat healthy foods, eat a wide variety of foods, all foods fit just in the right amount, move more, all of this stuff. No one wants to hear that. They want to hear, oh, all I have to do is drink celery juice every day. <laughs> and then all of my ailments are going to be healed. If all, I think people do a real, you know, the snake oil salesman people do a really good job of simplifying it and saying, if you do this one thing, you're going to be healthy. And nutrition just isn't that simple. It's extremely complicated. It's all interconnected. Um, but we all want to hear that it's something, the answer is simple. And if I do this, then I'll be healthier. And then you hear all of these testimonials from people saying, oh, I, I drank celery juice every day and my kidney disease went away, which that just, it's impossible. So yeah, I, I think that we all just kind of want that quick fix. And I totally understand it. And the snake oil salespeople are really good at selling that quick fix, even if there's no truth behind it. And I feel like they've always been good uh, for the history of humanity. This is not a new thing, mm -hmm. but it seems to still be very effective. Um, the marketing is very effective. So as a, as a dietitian, registered dietitian, how do you combat this in a way that is more effective? Because that is effective. The messaging is very effective, but sometimes scientific messaging is very ineffective. How can that be changed? That is the million dollar question, right? And personally, through what I do, I just try to gain trust with people, right? Have them trust me that, you know, I'm not trying to sell you anything crazy because if you hear these crazy health claims and, oh, all you have to do is drink celery juice. Well, you can bet that they are selling their own celery juice. Or if someone yeah. is, you know, just take this supplement, they have a whole supplement line. So I think trust is really important, but I think it's also important for dietitians and people in healthcare who do focus on the science to speak in the ter in terms that the general population can understand you. Because, you know, if we start going off on some scientific jargony, oh, this study said this, this, and that, and if people can't understand what you're saying, then you're not helping anybody. So that's something I have really been trying to work on as a health professional is speaking the language of the people who are in the general population and 
talking in a way that is interesting to them, right? In, in terms of what are the things that they want and showing how nutritionally, this is how you can get that um, without it, you know, just sounding all floofy, like, oh, just eat healthier and move more. <laughs> you know, it, it needs to be a little more you know, personalized to people. So what's the, how do you, how do you go about doing this when someone comes to you and, you know, we know nutrition is very emotional for people. It's like one of the more emotional things for people. How do you get them started on the right track to, or a track that's sustainable for them to start opening their eyes to like, Hey, this is the reality of the situation. It's like what you were saying about, um, it's not glamorous. It's not sexy. I've said this so many times. You can say that about anything in life. Anything yeah. that's good is often not, and that's worth something is often not exciting to go through the reps of it. You know? Yep. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, when someone first comes to me, a lot of the times, many people are looking for something along the lines of, hey, I just want to lose 20 pounds. Help me lose 20 yeah. pounds. And what I like to do is initially when I talk to someone is really just give them time and have a conversation and figure out what is it that you really want. So I learned this early on in my dietitian career that being a dietitian is not just about the food. Like you said, it's extremely emotional. So if I'm going to help people, it's not just about telling them this is the perfect diet for you. It's about meeting them where they're at and figuring out what really is their motivation. And because of that, I got a life coaching certification as well. And that has helped so much because like I said, in that first meeting, they'll tell me what they want, which nine times out of 10 is weight loss. And we'll dig deeper and yep. say, why is that important to you? What would it mean for you if you lost the 20 pounds? And what we almost always get down to is it's not necessarily about losing weight. It's about gaining confidence in themselves, feeling good, feeling healthy, living a long life, things like that. And once we can get to that, then we have a really solid base of motivation to work from because that for a lot of people, all those things, we really get to the why it's very life-changing. And then we start talking about food. And even then we don't try to change a million things at once. I'm very much about the slow and steady changes, focusing on just a few things at a time to build up those wins and for people to recognize and actually feel that, like you said earlier, the repetitions, if you do these repetitions just on, you know, in the beginning, focusing on one or two things, drink more water every day and eat enough protein. If you just do that, people will start realize, hey, after two or three weeks, I'm already feeling better. I'm feeling more energized. I'm sleeping better. I'm not as hungry throughout the day, all of these things. So I think it's important to give people time to try things out and not expect them to change everything at once. Um, recognizing that if we just focus on a few things and they get on the nutrition train of, oh yeah, just making this little change has made me feel so much better, then they could keep building on from there. What's the hardest part about your job? The hardest part about about my job personally, I would say is, and I've gotten better at this, but it's not being there every day with my clients. It's 
I meet with them sometimes every week, sometimes every other week. And then they have dozens of eating opportunities between our time together. I'm very much not a overbearing, you have to text me your food log every single day. I want to empower my clients to be able to make their decisions on their own. So that makes it hard for me because I'm kind of a perfectionist and I want to be there for people every step of the way. And I want to, you know, if I could, I would want to do the work for them, but that's not how it works. Like I'm here to motivate. I'm here to help guide them, but people have to want to do this on their own and have to be the ones to say, you know, even when you want to go out and just, you know, get a pizza, but you know that, Hey, I'm trying to do something good for myself, pulling themselves back and making something at home. I can't always be there for them for that. And sometimes I wish I could, but in the long run, I think it's best for people to learn how to do that on their own. Yeah. I have two questions coming up. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're piling up right now. I, know. I love it. Um, all right, let me start with this one first. What, okay. I'm trying in my, what I'm doing, let me phrase this through. I think in fitness and nutrition, they go together, right? Yeah. But there's also a component that we recognize that we're both in this arena where we kind of have your more traditional version of fitness and nutrition research base, evidence base, blah, blah, blah. And then you kind of have your influencer and uh, YouTuber aspect of thing, whatever it may be. How can these worlds collide better to understand each other better? Because clearly there's something that, let's say an influencer is doing that's getting across very well. Mm-hmm. But there's something, things that we do well that are getting across, but maybe we're just, we're so stuck on science with yes. this. Right. How do we merge these worlds, especially in nutrition, which almost feels even more of a hot topic thing? How do we merge these worlds? Again, that's a million dollar question. I think what I would like to see is the influencer side people, you know, do what you're doing. Speak to the people. They're obviously speaking to people's pain points and giving mm-hmm. them a, a something they could do. Right. If you do this, this will help get rid of your, whatever your pain point is. That's fantastic. But you can't do that in a way that's promising people things that aren't necessarily true. That's where I get hung up, up, hung Mm. up on that. So, you know, I would love for the influencers to yes, keep doing your thing and make all of this exciting, but just ethically, we can't promise people. We can't make promises that can't be kept. Right. And maybe that's just my, my own ethics. I feel like there's plenty of, you know, pseudo nutritionists out there who are just saying whatever they want. They just don't care. Um, But, you know, focusing on me and what I can control, which is myself. Yeah. um, Yeah. I think it is having the knowledge of the science and you're in the back of your head, but not being so stuck on the science that it doesn't allow you to say, Hey, We don't know a whole lot about probiotics, but maybe there's something there. Let's try it. Like, I think as long as, as a dietitian, it's hard because we're held to a code of ethics and a scope of practice and all of this stuff. And you could get your dietetic license taken away if you don't stick with that. But I think there is a little bit of room for experimentation. 
and, and not being so rigid about if the science doesn't show this to be helpful, we're just writing it off. Like there's yeah. some, there's some room for growth there, I believe. Well, how do we communicate though? Like, so, so one of the things I'm doing is like, I'm reaching out to influencers in my um, profession and we're having conversations and whether they're on my podcast or we're speaking at um, presentations at conferences and stuff. I feel like, like what you're saying and what a lot of people say is what people say on both sides, but they actually never uh -huh. talk to each other about it. Yes. Like, so what role, so like a registered dietitian like yourself is talking about it, what role is it for you to reach out to that influence or them to, for you and say, hey, we need to have a discussion about this type of thing? Yeah, I think that's extremely important because you're exactly right. Everyone wants to think that, you know, the way I'm going about it is the right way. And, you know, on my end, it's like looking at the influencers of, you know, they're not dietitians. They don't know what they're talking yeah. about. But that doesn't mean they don't know anything, right? They're very right. successful or they're influencers. Yeah. So yeah, I think finding a way to meet in the middle where we can learn from each other and boost each other up is is a fantastic yeah. idea. And it's cool to hear that that's something that you're currently doing. Working on it. But see, there's yeah. a lot of traps. There's a lot of traps with this. And I try to have uh -huh. honest conversations. So it's like, okay. Honestly, Emily, for you and me, it probably wouldn't be hard for us to achieve that level of influence or to be a YouTuber. Honestly, if you, I want to be very transparent like this. If I like went out there and did exercise videos, I took my shirt off and I started saying all this stuff, it probably would work pretty well. Uh -huh. you know? If you did the same thing and you showed skin, more than likely it would improve your status sure. of people, right? So there's, it's like, how do you not lay these thirst traps? Yeah. You know, how do you remain respectable to yourself and to your profession without compromising your values with that? Yes. That's a that's a big debate, I think, amongst people in our profession, because once you move in that direction, you become you've become basically. You are beholden to that ideology, then mm. like, well, this went viral. So I'm going to have to do all my videos with my shirt off. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, you make such a good point. And what it makes me you know, think about is. Sorry. A little stuffed up. OK, what it makes me think about is what is our end goal here? Right. By going viral. Are we achieving what we set out to achieve? I think in ways. Yes. You know, People like you and me, we typically just want to help as many people as possible. Yeah. Um, people who have this really solid background going viral, being an influencer means that more people are getting solid information. Um, but yeah, it's important to set up those boundaries, those personal and professional boundaries of, is it, is it worth it for me to go against my values and potentially be pushing against the code of ethics of my profession just to have you know, a million followers on Instagram, yeah. like, is that worth it? And I think there's no right or wrong answer. It's just a question that each person has to ask themselves. And what is your ultimate goal with, you know, your social media presence? Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's one of the dilemmas of our time, because, you know, if you're in a certain stratosphere of that, that could be your main income, right? And you, then yep. you may never actually be doing 
the work with the person that you normally would be doing. That's a good that, point. Right. So it's so weird. And so it's seductive. I mean, I think uh-huh. we're, we're all lying if we don't think it wouldn't be seductive, you mm-hmm. know, to uh, to do that. So I think it's it's an interesting line we're writing. But I often think like I'm a traditionally trained, a lot of education based person, but I'm also struggling with that idea also. Mm-hmm. And that we are we are becoming the dinosaurs that we have railed against in the past, you know. Oh, you're so right. I hadn't <laughs> really thought of it that way, but you are so right. And I think it's very important to right adapt or die. Right. We need right. to need to find that middle ground of I still think it is very important, right? To be traditionally trained, have the education, but where do we loosen up a little bit? to yeah. move more into the modern era? It's a great question. I just, I, I feel it happening. Like I like yeah. to pride myself as someone who like sees things coming. Mm-hmm. And this, I feel, I feel coming. And I feel like, oh, we're, we're trying to recommend the best book for someone to learn health, fitness, and wellness. Meanwhile, most pe- a lot of younger people are like, well, can you recommend a good YouTube page for yep. me to go to? Like, you know, it's like, it's like you are always like feeling like you're in danger of becoming your parents or something or someone else. I mean, you yes. never see it coming until it happens. You know? uh-huh. And it's happening. It's happening. And you're about, yeah. Wanting to see that people are definitely into the videos these days, but I think even, you know, with your podcast, it's a great platform to reach people. It's kind yeah. of somewhere in between the yeah. book and video, but um, yeah, no, I, I really like it. I think you're doing good stuff here. Thank you. Well, I think it's like people like yourself, myself, almost having these platforms feels almost necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, doing this work in the dark seems like not that acceptable to me at this point. Like if you want to to really reach people, you have to evolve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's some things I don't want to do, but I feel like this is a good way for people to get to know professionals Absolutely. and understand what they're about, you know? Mm-hmm. So I have a question about your education. Speaking of that, what would you change about your kind of dietetics education? No one, you know, now I would have an entire section of our education dedicated to how, well, there's two things that come to mind. One is how to actually incite change in a person Mm. because we are taught everything about anatomy and chemistry, biology, nutrition, like how the body works, but not many classes of how to translate that knowledge into actual practice into I'm speaking with the client. How do I help them get from where they are now to where they want to be? That is really lacking. So I think that's extremely important. And as a now business owner and knowing that lots of dietitians are going into private practice, I would have loved to learn about business as well of how just the basics of if you want your own practice, these are the steps you need to take. Would have loved to have that too. So yeah, I think nutrition education, undergrad and graduate school, they're great at help, you know, teaching you how to read a scientific paper, how to know, you know, how everything is metabolized, all of that, but it's the actual application of it that would be super beneficial to learn more about that. I'm with you on that. 
I have been talking to a lot of people about this and heads of exercise science departments and stuff. And I'm like, this is actually obviously those things are important, you know, metabolism, hormones, all this stuff, exercise physiology. But I think it's given too much weight because it doesn't have a huge practical application to people. It just doesn't. And I'm also I'm big in favor of like if you're in a profession where you're serving people like this, there should be a tremendous investment into yourself, understanding yourself better. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of service providers yes. are pretty bad at their own coping mechanisms because they never had resiliency training or had therapy early mm-hmm. in their life to help them with that. So I, I actually think our, all this education is a huge overhaul and we should shrink not we should shrink some of the very hardcore science stuff because it's important to know but honestly it doesn't have a huge application to people when you're working with people they don't give a shit about it like they just don't it's true so true i think it's important to know it right that doesn't mean your client needs to know it they just you just need to get them motivated and get them have enough knowledge to be excited about making a change or about doing whatever it is they need to do, but they don't need to know the ins and outs, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm definitely with you on that. I've, I was in like a meeting committee meeting with some pretty high level people and organizations and fitness and wellness. And even, you know, they were like, you know, they have a trainer and they're like, I don't want to know all this stuff. Just give me a good workout. Like they're in the business. They know all this <laughs> stuff, you know? And that's uh-huh. my 22 years as a trainer working with people very few of my clients have ever wanted to know, well, how does my muscle actually contract? What's the sliding filament theory and the Krebs cycle? It almost, I don't, I don't think you could hang your hat on that. It's good to know it. Honestly, I could know that by looking it up and I have a lot of education. I literally could just look that up and understand it. You bring up a great point there that I bring up to my clients a lot, which I say, Anything nutrition knowledge wise, you could Google, right? Honestly, you could Google it. I think where the power comes in working with a professional is a professional is able to take your situation and kind of condense the knowledge into what is important for you to know, and then take that knowledge into, okay, and this is how you put it into practice based on your life, right? So that you can't Google, but it's so true. If we wanted to learn anything, it's a beautiful thing. We could just Google it, look it up online. We can, we have just at the touch of our fingertips, we can learn anything we want. Yeah. It's all about, okay, then take that knowledge. And what do you do with it? I mean, think about it. Like the the thing that's so effective with influencing or people using social media is they're, they're selling themselves. Like even the liver King guys, ridiculous as it sounds. And it's just stupid, honestly. Uh, but (laughs) You like should check it out. It's you're crazy, selling it's a character. Like everyone yes. is selling themselves. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what you think, you're selling yourselves. People are buying time with you. It's like companionship. Yep. And it's like, don't want to spend time with this person. And I think because people could know more now, then it has it becomes more imperative that you're selling who you are as a person and how you make people feel versus all this massive knowledge you have. Because people are like, well, I could just look that up, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, you make such a good point. So that's, I think the question is as professionals, what's the next move, right? We have all this knowledge and we see this is where the future is going. So 
how do we do what we want to do, which is help people um, in a way that, that works for most people these days, which is the video platform, the YouTube, Instagram, all of that. These are the questions I think that's why I like talking to people in my larger umbrella, because I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, let's come up with some ideas here. Let's think of, because back when I was just starting this business, you know, nobody had access to all this information. So my knowledge was more valuable at that time because Mm. I had access to this higher education institution. It's it was very difficult for people to know the stuff that I know if they hadn't gone to college. Now they can know for free. So what's the value that I'm bringing to this beyond the academic knowledge for that? And that's what I think like things like podcasts are important so that the client can see you potential client learn who is Emily besides mm-hmm. just being a registered dietitian. Yeah. You know, Cause that matters. It matters for every, you know, healthcare profession, you're going to want to work with someone who you click with them as yeah. a person, because all dietitians have the same knowledge. You know, we were, we all have had to go through the same steps. So what sets you apart? What yeah. makes you, yes, a, a person that, would work well with a, a specific client. Right. I know a lot of registered dietitians, like a megaton. Yeah. But like I, when I saw your thing already versus BS, it pulled me in. I was like, oh, this is an interesting title for a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, this is like, I'm thinking about it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, if there's millions or all these people, all these RDs, how do you become someone that people are like, I would like to listen to this person? Mm-hmm. And I think this is the rub where more traditionally trained people are just not getting it. People want, they're interested in you. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you? How do you make me feel? And a lot of that, if they don't see you in person, it's what are the videos like? What are the conversations like? You know, and you can't complain about the business if you're not going to do anything about it, you know? For sure. Yes. And I think, you know, what just came to me when you were saying that, like people want to see you and what you're all about. I think as I was stepping into my private practice and having a social media presence, learning that it's okay to just be yourself and not be the dietitian for every person in the world, right? If you could just be yourself on, you know, the videos and just speak how you would speak to people. There's going to be a group of people who are attracted to that. And then you don't have to put up a facade of someone who is is someone that you're not. So just being okay with, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to speak my truth. And the people who connect with that are going to follow. And the people who don't are going to follow liver King or whoever, you know, (laughs) and that's okay. Not being the dietitian for every person in the world. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I have an interesting question about um, gender and yeah. registered dietitians. This is just observational. I don't uh-huh. know the statistics behind this disclaimer, but in my life, it seems that the majority of registered dietitians are women. Yes. Is this an observation you had? And if it is, why do you think that is? That's a great question. It a hundred percent is true. I don't know the exact percentages, but I think it's something along the lines of only 10 to 15% of dietitians are men. Um, it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm married to a man dietitian. Uh, we met in grad school, but if we look back on, yeah, on all of my classes, especially in undergrad, 
I think there were 50 of us and only three men in the whole class. So honestly, I don't know why. I think traditionally it was pretty much just solely a woman-driven career. I don't know if that goes back to the whole like women provide the food and are cooking and this and that. But I think what has made men in dietetics grow a little bit has been sports nutrition has grown immensely over just the past 20 years. You know, 30 years ago, it barely even existed. But I think that's a big draw for a lot of men is, hey, I'm interested in sports. I'm interested in exercise physiology and nutrition. So sports nutrition is my route. Um, but yeah, I would love to get more guys in our field because it is the percentage is low, really low. I never asked that question before to anybody. I don't know why it came up, but I just was like, I just thought about it. I'm like, why is this the case? But it's like that in yeah. certain professions, you know, like nursing is very heavily female dominated. Yes. Or that or whatever you can get. In, uh, sciences can be very male dominated in a lot of things. Right. It's like, why are these things happening for and, and why there's these inequities? And I just think maybe they're again, they're kind of dinosaurs of the past. Yes. You know, and like, mm -hmm. are we being are we waking up to the idea that why are we pushing people like, is it just this is supposed to be for women? Is this supposed to be for men? Like, what are we doing? Like, you know, yeah, curious. To, I'm curious about that. You know, it's mm -hmm. just, you know, because literally most of the people I've ever met who are dietitians were women. Like I met like two guys in my yep. whole career. Like makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, that's just how it is right now. But I hope it changes because it's always good to have, you know, a diverse group of people in any career. Yeah. It's all it honestly, it tends to be mostly white women, right? And gets a group of people who all tend to think the same. Yeah. And that's not good for the future of nutrition. Like no. we need diversity in all forms. Yes. You don't want to, you want to have a diverse gene pool. Like yeah. you want to have yes. diversity is really important, mm. but it just, it just, I don't know why it just came to me. I was like, why uh -huh. is this happening? I was, and, it's and what question. is, how hard is it to be a dietitian and how that affects your personal, um, like eating or your consumption? Yeah, it used to affect me a lot. I talk about it a lot on my Instagram about in college, and this happens to so many dietetic students, but we're learning so much about food and how it affects you and this and that, that a lot of college students who study Dietetics tend to have some disordered eating patterns. I definitely did. I didn't eat carbs for four years and I was yeah. very strict and I would, you know, track everything I ate to an unhealthy level. And then as time goes on, you kind of have some time to step back and realize that, hey, this is unhealthy. And there is such a thing as, you know, it's like micromanaging your nutrition, right? Just it being too much. So today, you know, I'm all about balance. Like I eat healthy most of the time, but I eat pizza and chips and I drink wine and all of that. I don't yeah, cut too. those things out. Good. <laughs> we all should. Right. And I <laughs> that to people like so good. You have to have balance. You have to, but yeah, as a young person learning about nutrition, it definitely affects people and kind of gets you in this bad mental state sometimes. So I think it's important to 
keep in mind as well. Yeah. I remember one time I was at a party and this was at like, this was many, many years ago. And we had a big chocolate fondue fountain and I was tearing that thing up, man. Nice. And all these people, they knew me because I ran this very high and luxury club and I was at this party and they're like, I can't believe you're eating that. Like you eat like that. I'm like, why would you think that? I'm like, because I look this way, I don't, you know, like I don't enjoy all these other things. It's like, but right. people have these perceptions, you know, so I'm sure yes. people are like, oh, this Emily, she's a registered dietitian. I bet her diet's perfect. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, you know, nowhere close. And that's, that's the okay. worst thing. Yes. Yeah. I think it's healthy for, you know, the people at the party who saw you for them to see that and to say, hey, he can be, he can look like that and be a healthy person and, you know, run this luxury club and still eat chocolate fondue at yeah. a party. Yeah. I think that helps break that perception. Oh, I was taking shots and everything, man. It was great. Good for like, you. Let's like, go. Got to let know, loose. Yeah. No, it's, and that's also like kind of my look too. Like I have my doctorate, but I want to look the furthest away from the traditional person who has their doctorate with a pocket protector, yep. pads, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to talk like that all the time. Like, and I think that's kind of the world where we're moving towards more. I just felt that early. I was like, mm -hmm. I don't identify with these people. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want, so come on, let's, let's, I want to feel like how I want to feel, you know, like, sure. and look, I want to look, I want to have this blonde hair, you know? I don't want to fit into this box because I have a terminal degree. Mm -hmm. And I and think that, that's, that's important. Yes. And that'll draw people to you. Like we were talking about being yourself. You can be both yourself and have a doctorate degree. And that's going to draw a certain group of people to you. So what's coming up next on RD versus BS that uh, everybody could look forward to. And then let's get you to tell everybody how to listen so that they're going to check it out. Perfect. Yeah. So we're actually on a short break right now. Um, we are writing a book, an RDs versus BS book based on our episode. So we're working on that, but we do have a episode coming up on January 2nd. So our new year's episode, and we brought on a special guest who is a surprise. So I can't say who it is right now, but um, really excited about that. So we're going to start getting back to our episodes on January 2nd. And um, yeah, you can listen to it. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And we also just have a website, rdsversusbs.com, where we post all the, all the episodes. So we try to make it easy for people to listen. We have an Instagram. Um, it's kind of hard to say. We were not thinking about this when we created the handle, but it's rds underscore vs underscore bs underscore pod <laughs> um but yeah we post all our stuff on there too so yeah lots of ways to get in touch that's wonderful emily it's nice to have this discussion with you it was, uh, it yes. was really good likewise thank you so much for having me I, this has been fantastic and i feel like i'm leaving with a lot of good things to think about as well oh that's awesome and uh, i hope you feel better soon okay? thank you yes i appreciate that all right emily's on everyone thank you Thank you.